Well, I'm tempted to tell you who are going into the worship service, if you want to go get coffee and just skip this Sunday school class, if you were in the previous 830 service, it looked like I'm stomping over old ground here. Uh, Rick and the rest of us who teach, we don't communicate what it exactly is we're doing. My communication is through mail generally. Had no idea he was going to be preaching on what we've been studying in here this morning. So uh, you're going to get kind of a double dose. But uh, if you have any question about the validity of something, take what you hear in the worship service, okay? <laughs> We're in Luke chapter 1, just as our good friend Dr. Phillips was. The last thing I was going to touch on in this topic of uh, uh, what's going on here with regard to the hearing of the message and the reception or non-reception, if you will, of Zechariah, uh, we get down to uh, verses 35 to 38 where we left off. And I'll just read those quick verses there. The angel answered her, that is Mary, and he says to her this great explanation when she asks about how can, I, how can this be, I'm a virgin. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age shall also, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Well, I can quickly go over these three verses, right? <laughs> Rick uh, dealt with those in, in a, some measure. The question here, and somebody had a question about this last week, comparing uh, Mary's question with Zechariah's question. Zechariah, you know, he hears about his wife's going to have a baby and he's asked in effect, how can this be? In other words, you know, this is impossible. How can this be? Mary's question is, if you will, a biological one. Listen, <laughs> I'm a virgin. I haven't known a man. I can't imagine how this can happen. Please explain to me how this can happen. How does a woman have a child without uh, uniting with a man? It is a similar biological question that Nicodemus asks. You remember later in the ministry of Jesus Christ, he's told you must be born again. And he says, how can a man enter his mother's womb a second time? It's a biological question. Mary's question is not a lack of faith. Zechariah asks for a sign, if you will. That's not Mary's question. Her question is, how can this happen? I, I don't know. I haven't had a, uh, I'm not uh, in a relationship with a man. He wants to know, how shall I know this thing, Zechariah? She wants to know, how can this happen? <laughs> it's as if uh, Zechariah is, uh, he's putting up a barrier before the holy God, the omnipotent, omniscient God, that he shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> when he says, basically, I can't, in this situation, I'm too old, my wife's too old. What is he saying? He's saying, you can't, God, you can't do this. 
Remember, I brought up the fact that Zechariah is a priest. He had a knowledge of the Old Testament. He knew the stories, uh, or should have, in his role as a priest of Abraham, of uh, Rebekah's birth, of the birth of Samson. He knew of Hannah's problem before she conceived and had Samuel. He should have known better than to ask the questions that he did. Well, Gabriel gives an explanation to her. She asks the question about a biological function. It is if she says, I have not known a man. Sexually, she's saying, I am a virgin. Uh, this is an action that I, uh, R.C. Sproul uh, characterizes in Latin as contra naturum or naturum. That is, this is against nature. Who ever heard of this happening? <laughs> well, nobody. Who's ever heard of it happening since then? <laughs> nobody. If anything fits the definition of miracle, that's what's happening here. And as Rick said in his sermon, just everything surrounding the virgin birth is miraculous. It is outside of nature, outside of this. Uh, and, and she has a legitimate question. It's not unbelief, and we'll see that as we fill all of this out. You see, Mary uh, had no age barrier like Zechariah and his wife had. That wasn't a problem. She didn't know about all these ancient cases, perhaps, like Abraham and his wife, whatever. She didn't, her case was different. You're telling me I'm going to have a, ch all the other cases that were looked at in history, even though they were old and against nature to have their children, God was able to work through them in their uh, unity in marriage to have a child. I'm telling you, I'm a virgin. I don't, I, I, I don't understand. <laughs> this is beyond believing. This is more unbelievable even than what the angel told Elizabeth. Elizabeth had a relationship. It is a very unusual thing. I don't know if MacArthur intended this pun, but here's a quote from John MacArthur. The idea of having a child without the impregnation of a man was inconceivable. Do you reckon he meant that as a pun? Of course it's inconceivable. You can't do it in the course of nature. And that's what was taking place here. She believed, really Mary did, but she didn't understand. I haven't, I haven't gone to Joseph yet. We haven't entered into this phase of our lives. Well, the explanation is very easy, if you will, if not fully explained to your satisfaction. And it comes in verse uh, 35 through 37. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And uh, as Rick was saying this morning, we don't know exactly when she conceived. We don't even have a picture yet of Joseph, even in this story we're looking at here when she takes off to go visit her cousin Elizabeth. Uh, she may have been, she may have conceived right when the angel Gabriel was talking to her. She may have conceived uh, as she was getting ready for this trip. She may, it may have happened on the trip. We don't really know, but the Holy Spirit came upon her. The most high would overshadow her. 
It is the same language that is used in Genesis 1, talking about creation when the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is upon the waters in the creation. It is the same verb used there, the same designation of the Most High. In Hebrew, it's El Elyon, the sovereign, omnipotent ruler of heaven and earth. That's who is coming upon her. That's who is going to do this thing. This is going to be a holy child. Nothing about this child will get close to being sin. And he is going to be the son of God. He is going to be, in other words, God himself. What a message that was. <clears throat> and his birth would reveal that. He did not, at his birth, become the son of God. We need to remember that. In her womb, he was the son of God. The human aspect of being birthed did not make him the son of God. He was the son of God from eternity past. It is now this new revelation of him in his role as Jesus, the savior, that we see him coming forth. The Holy Spirit is active in this. He is moving here. And although... This wasn't a sexual experience. I believe it had to be, in some measure, a conscious experience of what was happening to her. You know it was when her body began to change and she began to gain weight and feel what was going on. Gabriel, in his uh, merciful message, as you heard this morning, last hour, behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age. She has also conceived a son, She's in the sixth month and she was the one that was called barren. All right, you want some help with this? Gabriel gives her a message of mercy. Here's the hint. You have a cousin who went through something very similar to this. She is currently pregnant. You know Elizabeth. She just lives a hundred miles down the road. He doesn't say go see her, but he might as well have said that. And she takes the hint. She was an older cousin you want true comfort, and again, I'm going over things Rick said this morning. Here's the place for it. Psalm 113.9 says this, he gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. That's what's happening to Mary here. This barren woman, <laughs> when she gets there, can you imagine the conversation? She went there for cheering up. This is her older relative, there probably is four decades at least difference in their ages. Uh, in the Southern dialect, I can hear a Ms. Elizabeth talking. Girl, you better listen to what that angel said. If you don't, look what happened to my husband. He still can't talk. You know, there had to be some encouragement, a little bit of talking, giving back and forth. And it's great to see this fulfillment. It is great to have older relatives who can do this for you? I don't know what your upbringing was like, but my parents weren't converted when I was growing up. And God blessed me with some godly men. They turned out almost uh, exclusively to be Sunday school teachers. And there was great encouragement because I could ask them a question that my dad had no knowledge of because he didn't have any knowledge of the scripture at that point. And that's what's going on here. Somebody older to talk to her. Somebody going through what she's going through and in a very, very unique way. This was a sign to encourage her. 
And another sign to encourage her is verse, verse 37, isn't it? He says to her, for nothing will be impossible with God. I think I dwelled on this just in passing last week. Nothing. I'm here to tell you I praise God that my son got off the operating table last week in answer to prayer. <laughs> I can't talk about it too much. <laughs> He's struggling with some side effects, but he's with us. And this is the second time in his lifetime that he's had to go through this. And my father-in-law was the catalyst for his prayer when he was 14 years old. God hears, he answers, and nothing is impossible with him. Nothing. What a blessing. What a proof it is when you look around you, when you come on Wednesday night, way, way too often we hear things uh, that are brought up as requests. But I'm here to testify, God answers prayer. We see it in my son. We're beginning to see it in Alice Barnett making a slow recovery. We've seen it in other people. Don't dismiss those things. Don't forget about the answers we've heard. With God, nothing's impossible. I would imagine Jeff Went is clinging to that verse. And he should be. I don't know if it's God's will to raise him up, but it's not impossible. And we ought not to pray like it is impossible. We ought to pray with confidence. Well, verse 38, what a blessing we have here. By the way, something similar to that quote, that quote was given in Genesis 18, but it was a rhetorical question. Is anything too hard for God? Well, it didn't call for an answer. The answer is no, emphatically no, <laughs> it is not. There are certain things God can't do. Do you know what they are? Pardon? He cannot lie. You know, I had a very naive young man when we were in college. Can God create a boulder too heavy for him to lift, you know? <laughs> what a silly question. You didn't know it at the time, perhaps. But God cannot go against his character. He is truth. And Jesus said that in his earthly ministry. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he cannot tell a lie. He cannot go against his character. God is, what about his longevity? He has no beginning, no end. So God cannot die. He cannot. It is beyond his doing. That's not his character. And he can't lie. He can't be God and not be God. You think of all his attributes, he can't go against those things. And he says, if we're faithful to pray, to come to him in faith, believing, and come in Christ's name and his power, he will hear. He will answer. Our problem is sometimes it's not on our timetable. I've been praying for this for umpteen years. Uh, what's taking so long? And we, we're prone to say, well, God just didn't answer. He didn't hear. That's not what's going on. You understand what we're talking about. We're talking about the attributes of God. One is that God is not limited to time. He's not limited to space such as we are because he's not a created being. We can go to him. And then we see in verse 38 here. Before you leave that. Yes. harder for them to come to it and he said um, 
and it's in Matthew. It says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Amen. Amen. <laughs> it's about the one about the um, camel going to the eye. The needle, yeah. <laughs> when you look at that, that's such a funny picture to look at, isn't it? <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, that's so true. And that's a good reminder. We see in verse 38, Mary's surrender. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, this wasn't a surrender where I give up. I can't do anything. What it is, is the humble heart of a servant, a servant girl, a young girl. What spiritual maturity there is in this woman, Mary, in her teens, reacting this way to God Almighty. And there's a surrender here. It's not that she was in rebellion against the word or will of God. It's just that this has been revealed to her. And it's just, it's, she didn't come up and say, well, thank you, but no thank you. I don't care to carry the son of God. Uh, no, but she, uh, she says, if you will, let it be as you say. Okay, I'm, I'm with that. She's humble, poor in spirit. I believe she has a reflective and meditative nature. These things came up to her all of a sudden like nobody else before, but she handles it so maturely. This wasn't the first time she thought about God and how he acts. Uh, it's almost like she's somewhat prepared for this. She does believe in God's power. She has to. She follows through on what she's been told by Gabriel, believing that the end is going to be to God's glory and her good. There is profound submission here. How hard is that in your life to submit, especially to the will of God? It is at this point, this kind of relationship uh, point, that Zechariah stumbled. Mary doesn't. She wants to know what's going to happen to my body here. How can I have a child? I've not been with a man. But she doesn't stumble. She believes. Now, I want you to think about her surrender. <laughs> what would you say if an angel came to you and said something like this? Oh, great. Wonderful. I would love to have this child. But you think behind this revelation Think what's going to happen to her. She and Joseph have not taken up life together as husband and wife. In this community of religious people who are believers, they're going to look down upon her as having a bastard child. And in Old Testament economy, she could have been stoned for that. She's going to have to deal with that quite possibly. She has to travel... <laughs> to Bethlehem to deliver this child. This is a journey that's not unlike the one she's going to take right here to go up to see uh, her cousin. After that, she's going to have to pick up with her husband Joseph at that point and take off for Egypt. And then think about the ministry that Jesus Christ is going to be involved in. Let me read to you from Mark chapter three. And when his family heard it, talking about the teaching and preaching of Jesus, his family, they went out to seize him 
for they were saying he is out of his mind. His own family is going to say that he's crazy. You see what Mary is signing up for? And you know that's not the end. She's going to be there for his arrest, for his sham of a trial, for his flogging, for his crucifixion, for all the spitting that's going to take place on him, all of that. Then he's going to be buried in, in the prime of life, if you will, at 33 years of age. That's what Mary is signing up for. I got an idea that she knew some of that, you know, in her mind, because she's not an uninformed young believer. She has some knowledge of the word of truth. I believe uh, she knew some of that. And yet, look at her resignation. Okay, so be it. The greatest news ever proclaimed in Israel came to one of the humblest people ever, not only in Israel, but in the history of the church. She <laughs> is in those, that verse in Matthew 6. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that's her heart when she resigns herself. You know, sometimes it's better not to know what the future holds. And perhaps she didn't know all these things consciously, but she was ready to submit to God. Uh, are we? I'll repeat those, that reference that Rick used that I had written down here, but in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26 to 29, it would be good to, to read those. What a blessing all of this has been up to this point. And now, do you have any questions or comments? Uh, I think it was Sharon Satterley that had a question last week. I hoped I answered it for her. Too bad she wasn't here, right? <laughs> the difference between Zechariah's question and Mary's question. Well, we're going to push on. We're going to look now at Mary's visit to her cousin. If you will, this is a precursor to next week's sermon. Because <laughs> I think Rick said he was going to preach on these verses. Look at verse, beginning at uh, verse 39, I'm going to read through 45. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is he who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Well, Rick touched on a couple of these things. Look at her trip in verses 39 to 40. She went in haste to the hill country. I think Rick gave a total of over a hundred miles journey. She probably didn't take it alone, but we don't know who she took it with. No mention again in Luke's account here about Joseph. Did he go with her? Did he even know what was going on? We don't know. But she takes safe, safe passage. 
Not sure how far it was. It was at least over 60 miles. And as Rick said, probably well over 100. The details are unsaid. What is said, though, is look how she went. She went in haste. <laughs> I don't even go quickly when I have to leave my house in my car for a 100-mile drive. She takes off in haste, probably going to be on foot or maybe in a caravan. I don't know. But she takes off. She wants to get informed, maybe. She probably, without doubt, I can say, went there for fellowship. I heard Elizabeth is pregnant. I need to go find out a few things. I don't know that her parents even knew. Nothing said here that, about her informing her parents. Hey, guess what, mom and dad? I'm pregnant. Well, that would knock you back, wouldn't it? And then... <laughs> Maybe I'm pregnant with the Son of God. We don't know if that went on or not. My guess, my sanctified guess, is that no, she didn't. She picked up the things she needed and headed off to see her cousin. This teenager goes to see her cousin who is probably four times older than she is, or at least four decades older than she is. How can this be? Well, as Rick, Rick talked about it this morning too, uh, it's for fellowship for one thing. And folks, when I look here, I don't see any real young people. But true fellowship should defy our age differences. There shouldn't be any reason we can on a Wednesday night sit down among the teenagers if you feel a need to do that or uh, want to reach out. There, there's no barrier to our having fellowship because... The basis of our fellowship is in the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal God. As a matter of fact, I think we ought to seek that. I, I'm older now. I need to do that more consciously. When I was a young person, I tried to go talk to older people. They had a lot more wisdom than I did. They had a lot more life experience than I did, although it wasn't <laughs> the kind that they have here. Uh, but, but she went there for the fellowship, I believe, Here's a quote. I, I wrote this down in reading somewhere and I have no idea who said it, but I think it is very true. Happiness communicated doubles itself. Grief grows greater by concealing. Joy by expression. That's a reason to go. I, I, you won't believe this, Elizabeth. An angel came to me. Well, maybe you will believe it because the angel told me to go see you. He's been to see you. There's a, there's a great means of fellowship here and a basis for that. In Malachi 3, you read these words. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And then it goes on to say, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. Why don't you go to fellowship with somebody like that? We need encouragement in this world. Uh, you read the newspaper. I don't know if anybody does that anymore. You read the news on the internet. Man, you just want to shut that thing down. It is not encouraging. It, and it's not meant to be either, I would tell you. We need to seek one another for fellowship. Why don't you come Wednesday? Why don't you share your prayer requests? Why don't you meet with people in the home if you don't, okay? There's a, a, a need here, and I believe she knew that. She needed information, to be sure. 
But she needed one to stand alongside of her and say, look, these things are happening and this is what's going on here. So she goes to see her. Verse 40 on this trip, she enters and greets Elizabeth here. Very uh, distinct what she does. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. <laughs> I came here to see her. Zoom, I'm going to see Elizabeth. And that's who she greets. She goes to her. These two are soul sisters in the real definition of that. They're soul sisters in a divine plot to save sinners. And they're going to hash through that in their conversation and the reaction of their children. We're together in this. Mary, let me tell you what's going on here. This is a teenager and a senior citizen, if you will, meeting for Mary's encouragement. Ladies, there are probably women in our church. Maybe they have a difficult pregnancy that you've been through. Maybe they have other problems that you can help them with. Would you be sure to do that and reach out? Don't just wait for Wick to do it. <laughs> Make yourself available. Uh, Elizabeth was, was giving her what she needed here. This teenager and this senior citizen, they were to both touched by God. They had a grand experience. They were having an eternal experience that is unmeasured, uncharted, unknown. They are going to be the mothers of the two men from, through whom salvation is going to come. Wow, we have a lot to talk about. No wonder she ran to Elizabeth and said, hey, let's sit down and talk. Well, that was the trip. She's in here. She meets her cousin. And now look at the meeting. Look at verse 41. Verses 41 to 45, we have the gist of the meeting. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Pastor this morning described that. John, there's a response here. There's a response even before Elizabeth did. She was the one being spoken to, wasn't she? Mary came and greeted her. Before she could get a word out, something happens. A baby not, doesn't just move. This baby leaped. That's the meaning of the word. Uh, one commentator said it's like a lamb cavorting across the meadow, you know, jumping. Uh, my wife... Uh, Gave me the honor of touching her tummy at certain times through all her four pregnancies and you could feel that child moving. Look, this wasn't like that at all. This was more than that. You probably could see the feet bouncing around up against her uh, skin. This child leaped, leaped. What, what a move this is. John responded before Elizabeth did. Isn't that interesting? And Rick, again, he touched on this this morning, some of the things that I'm saying. This was more than a prenatal kick or a turning in the mother's womb. He leaped. He leaped when Mary came there. This is, if nothing else, it's a physical confirmation of what was going on here. There is this one who is a prophet, John. He is recognizing this one who is the Messiah, Jesus. And we have physical confirmation. It is, and it's like Rick said again, I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but this is what I prepared. He is in effect announcing the Messiah. That's what John's doing as the prophet, the last prophet of the Old Testament. And he's overcome with joy with this. 
if you don't believe me, uh, we could run back to the first chapter of this uh, same book and you read in verse 15. For he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. John is filled with the Holy Spirit here. And there's this unnatural heavenly reaction to the Son of God. It, it, he is, if you will, prophesying. A couple of things, and of course, Rick had a quote about this. If anything speaks against abortion, shouldn't this? John is alive. Jesus is alive. They are children. If these two uh, sons were taken away from their mothers and tested, you would see that they have different DNA than their mother does at some point along the chain. They are not just a mass in the mothers. They are human beings who have already conceived, been conceived. And with Mary, we might say sometime, somewhere, but we know it was by the Holy Ghost. They were alive. A person, a woman does not have a right to abort this other human being that she is carrying, no matter her embarrassment or sin. She does not have a right. The sadness, the moral failure of our country is saying that you can do that. And when they say that, they say it in the face of God Almighty. It is, it is detestable. We live in an evil land to say that. That cannot happen here. Just think if Mary had considered aborting the Son of God. He's saying, well, that's unthinkable. He, for us, it is. But for the people we live around in 21st century America, it might not be. Well, we see in 41b, and uh, again, you'll hear that when you go into the worship. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit she was able to prophesy here things to Mary because she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow, the Spirit is alive and active in John, certainly in Jesus. He is in Elizabeth, the mother of John. We're gonna see evidence of that in Mary. She is filled and so she prophesies in verse 42 and prophesies a double blessing. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. That's not a casual thing to say. In the Old Testament, you wanted somebody's blessing. You went and offered sacrifices. You gave payment to people in the Old Testament seeking the blessing. And she gives a double blessing to her and to the fruit of her womb. And she uses in the Greek the superlative here. Most blessed are you. Most blessed is the fruit of your womb. This isn't casual, friends. This, this is the penultimate here. And we have this prophetic confirmation of what's going on here. We have the physical confirmation. We have a prophetic confirmation taking place here in these verses. In verse 43, we read, and I already read this to you. Um, Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? What humility Elizabeth has. Why? The mother of my Lord has come to me? What a recognition that is. That, that's not a casual phrase she throws away there. She says, 
She's carrying my Lord. Wow. Isn't that kind of like the eyes we had to see when we became Christians? <laughs> when the scales fell away and we became believers, we had some revelation like this. And she calls him my Lord. It already talks about what she knows, but I think in saying that, it already talks about the condition of her heart. My Lord. She's already giving him obeyance, but in a spiritual sense. It's not servile. It is in spiritual recognition. Well, verse 44, if you needed proof of this, we have it there. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. What a blessing. You know, without any kind of undertaking outside of what's going on here between Mary and Elizabeth, it is revealed to Elizabeth that this is the mother of the Son of God. And without an explanation, she immediately understood this secret. Wow. God is at work through all of this. Nobody came up to her and said, Elizabeth, this, no doctor came to her and said, Elizabeth, this is what's going on here. According to the sonogram, according to the latest technology, no, it was revealed to her that this is the Lord. God is so, you know, so forward in all of this. Verse 44 is proof given of that. Well, then verse 45, we have a formal beatitude that we already read here. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. It is a wonderful thing, Mary, that you did. And you were to be blessed for this. Uh, when we start next week, we'll have to end here. We're going to look at the magnificent, magnificat, C-A-T, of Mary. This song of praise and so filled with meaning. Uh, there are four of these in the book of Luke. Do you know what they are? You don't have to go past chapter two to see all of them. You have a song kind of like this in the Old Testament. Do you remember where that was? I.E. Exodus. Remember Moses had a great song? Well, there are four of these here in the book of Luke. He touches on this uh, in, in depth and we'll look at this next week, Lord willing. We have Mary and her Magnificat. We have uh, what's called the Benedictus of Zechariah. We have all these Latin words thrown in here. Who? Zechariah? Yeah. He has something nice to say now that his eyes have been opened, his heart can believe. We have the Gloria of the angels. And it's just like one or two verses here. It's not very long. And then we have, and this is one of my favorite people in the book of Luke, uh, and uh, uh, some priest will probably forgive me. We have the Nunc Dominitus, whatever that is, of Simeon. He has a song when he sees the Son of God come. What a song this is. I hope you'll read that and study it. You'll be doing yourself a double blessing because you're gonna hear a sermon on it next week. And Lord willing, we're gonna discuss it in Sunday school too. <laughs> so please take these things and dwell on them. If you don't dwell on anything else, would you dwell on the character of Mary? Look how humble she was. Look how willing she was to follow after the Lord. In spite of all that this meant, there were wonderful blessings, but there were dangerous hardships she was gonna have to endure too. What humility for this teenage girl uh, to do this. 
man. <laughs> Mr. Walton, would you dismiss us in prayer, please? Father, thank you so much uh, for your word. Thank you so much for uh, humble servant Mary and how you blessed her and um, what a privilege it was, uh, Lord, that she could uh, give birth to your son. And what a privilege it is for us, Lord, that we can know your son and we can walk with him. Thank you for all that he's done for us. I pray that you bless us and serve us to come. Christ. Amen. Amen.